must have gotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Wow. Oh, you got skills, son! Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for you! Professional, Will. <laughs> Ian? Yes. <laughs> We're live. We are Ian. live, mate. Come on. What an introduction. All will. We are live. Oh, we are live, <laughs> Bernard. This is a great start. Oh, I love it. to episode number 32 of the Take with Willie Mason. That, in my defence, I can not hear one thing from the music. But anyway, here we are, episode 32. Good start on what is an excellent episode because it's very emotional for me. I have the great... Renny Matua joining us, my dear friend, a man who I have missed greatly over the last little while. Ren, welcome. What an introduction, Bernard. Yeah. Thank you, mate. It's good to be here. Um, some old memories here. Isn't it weird? Like we're looking while. at his head on a computer. We're doing Zoom. We're doing Zoom. He's running shit from a Zoom. In quarantine. <laughs> In quar- What are you quarantined for? I'm not quarantined. Oh, am, okay, okay. I'm on a holiday. I'm oh, up here. I'm on a holiday moustache just to show everyone that I'm on holiday. You're losing your shit, yep. Do you know what, though? <laughs> I go away for a week and I cannot wait to get away from Willie Mason. And what happens? What? All through the press again, you stick your big head on the fan <laughs> on Fox and the next thing you know, all of New Zealand hates you again. I know. I don't understand what just happened. What <laughs> again, just happened again. That was stopped. 14 years ago. It was ridiculous. Ren, you played in that game. I did, Bernard. I, I would like to know, William, it was a very sanitised version on uh, on the fan. Now, mate, how much of what Willie said was actually true? You were standing almost right next to him. Yeah, I was nearly next to him. I, don't, I didn't watch the fan, so I'm not sure how much truth he spoke. I doubt very little. Um, <laughs> but I do uh, remember the, the incident quite vividly and... Uh, I think Willie had some nice things to say about Brent Webb, who is a Australian, Australian uh, who was, you know, played a couple of years with the uh, with the Warriors and decided that he was a Kiwi. So uh, Willie had some fond uh, words to say to him, and yeah, David Kidwell wanted to square up and got him yeah. good. I think you it, that was a square up. No, no way. Kidwell just tries it. Kidwell was on fire that whole year. He was in the grand final. Like, he got Petro a pretty good hit. He was just hitting pretty good. And I think it just coincided and it was just karma, really. I mean, I didn't disrespect the Hucker as people keep trying to follow that narrative and just keep it up. It was just like, how do you disrespect the Hucker? You know what I mean? Like, Brent Webb and I are good mates. And he was, he was taking the piss out of me and I took the piss out of him. And, like, I'm not sure how you can disrespect a war dance, you know, unless I go over there and just turn the music off or just tell them to shut up, which I didn't. I got nothing but respect for the hucker and it's just a blow up. And it's just a great story, isn't it, for everyone else to fucking start getting on top of it again. So it was... um, What's what's funny, though, is straight away the headlines are everyone in New Zealand hated me and, you know, all of this. And if if you actually watch the episode, you're just explaining... What actually happened? It's exactly so, exactly what I did. That's exactly what uh, I did. I said, what ha- so what happened in New Zealand? And I just explained exactly what I'm saying now. And when you think about it and like listen to my story, it's just it's not that big a deal. It was two blokes taking the piss out of each other because back back then, you could do it. You know, like I just said, look, you're over there. You're an Aussie. This is the what? This is the this is a very sanitized <laughs> version. You're over there. You're an Aussie. You can't wear this jersey because you're not good enough. Pretty much. 
but not in those words. A couple of little swear words, but there was no like, no, nothing disrespectful to anything. So it was like that. And then Kitty got a good hit on me. I can't, I mean, fractured my eye socket and I can't beat the back of his head flying at my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was just, you know, if it was shoulder to shoulder, would have knocked him on his ass. But like, but it was like the back of his head got me good and it just like made a really good story. And it, went, and it just fucking blew up and then, you know, the whole what the whole uh, Four Nations was all about that. And then all about the final was all about me squaring up with Kitty. And it was just like, I got nothing against David Kibble at all. They always try and beat it up. So like, we're two good two players that just went out there and went hard. In Kitty's what defense. Didn't get told? Sorry, man. In Kitty's defense, it's a fair target. You can't really miss that size head. It's, it's a massive <laughs> head. The, the, the biggest well, how, I don't know how he missed my thing. chin. How did he miss your chin? That's a thing I've never understood. How did he get past that chin? Well, he's about. Icon? I think Kitty's about six foot one, and they reckon they they take a they take a photo of him jumping. He was about six foot eight, <laughs> and the back what? of his head hit my skull. So obviously you got, you broke your eye socket. You got knocked out. You obviously never came back on for the rest of that game. Are you, you? serious? I came back on and watched, won the game for him. <laughs> There we go. I just, I did say. No, this is this is when HIA was at its best. Mm. I think uh, this happened. <laughs> this is when the the the, the, um, the caring about players was at its utmost respect, and it was just at its best. Um, what happened? I think it was probably in the first fifteen minutes. It was a brutal, brutal game. Test back then, they, they had a really good side, the Kiwis, and Aussies had a great side as well. So I think it was about what, fifteen minutes, Ren. No, it was the second half. Definitely no, the, the first. Are you serious? It was the first half when he got me. It was the second half when he got me. I will put Google money it. on it. Are you serious? You, sure you've got you have, cop, you have cop that many hits. I was on there for 15 to 20 minutes and I got hit because I started the game. Yeah, you might have come back on in the second yeah, half. Yeah, and I come on in the second half. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Fuck, it was 14 years ago. Relax. Yeah, but like second half. Anyway, so and I didn't... I did an HIA. Yeah, I didn't even... I didn't... I had that much time to get through it. So 20, just say 20 minutes, half to half, half to half time. And then it so was 60 minutes before I even went back on. Mm. And then they still let me back on. I don't remember anything. I was about like probably 20 minutes ago and then Huey Hazard was the dog who was our, who was our club doctor at the time. I was like, I didn't even know who he was for at least about half an hour, 40 minutes. And then about 50 minutes, 60 minutes, then my, my brain came good and went, oh, Huey, what, what are you doing here? And he's like, he gave him some aspirin and he's like, mate, are you good? I said, just fucking get me a back on, please. (laughs) And then I passed the test, and which was, you know, it was was pretty much like the test I got to pass. Now it's not that hard. Uh, Went back on and just set the winning try up. So (laughs) I win. Just had to throw that in. Look, the other thing that was on the fan with Fox or with Bossy, whatever it's called, was actually not a bad show. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Bossy too. He's not one of those. Uh, journos that want to have, have, have an agenda. I said that when I posted it yesterday. I'm like, I'm very hesitant on these one-on-one interviews because there's always some sort of negativity and fucking clickbait bullshit, but it was all positive stuff. Well, one of the things that was mentioned was the 2004 grand final, obviously, and, and you talked previously about the salary cap in 2002, and you actually mentioned Rennie in the interview and said essentially that, you know, you had been through the bad times and for the younger players coming through and playing in their first year, it was like grand final straight away. Mm. And it's hard to really go from winning a grand final in your first couple of years and then realising that it's actually a pretty bloody difficult thing to do to win another one. So, Ren, there's been a lot of uh, upheaval in the Bulldogs board. After winning that grand final at the Bulldogs, do you still consider yourself to be Bulldogs through and through? 
just from that one grand final? Yeah, I, I definitely hold the club in high regard, Bernard. I mean, over the last few years since, you know, you retire and you don't have as much to do with the club, you, your relationship with the club doesn't become as strong as it was while you're with the club. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely holds a, a, a sentimental place in my heart. You know, there's a lot of history there, especially with Gary Carden, who was in the media recently, who they let go as a, under, he was basically, you know, a developing trainer and, you know, I started at the club with, with Sonny Bill, Jonathan Thurston, Roy Asatasi, Ben Harris. We started in a rookie squad and, and they developed us through through the ranks to to set us up for that first grade squad. And, and we didn't hold any baggage of the 2002 scandal or salary cap stuff. So we came in to the 2004 squad full of beans. You know, there was nothing hanging over our heads of what happened in the last couple of years. Uh, we didn't have any fear of any players that were in front of us, and and that was sort of a, a, exactly a changing factor, I guess, where the 2004 side, having all these young guys come into the squad, we created probably a good balance within that team. We had a lot of good senior players. We had Willie, obviously, Braith and Asa, those guys who were coming into their fourth and fifth years of first grade. And then you had myself, Sonny, Willie Tonga, guys like that that just were ready to go out and kill. So... It, I think with any sort of first grade side, if you're going to win a competition, you need to have the right balance, and it never aligns that often within any competition. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's a lot of great memories, and 04, you know, 06 still hurts me a lot. I think we had a great opportunity to win mm. another grand final, and we let a you know a 14 point yep. uh, lead slip, and and got beat by the Broncos, and they went on to beat Melbourne. No one was. Just, I think that was the grand final that year. I don't think uh, Melbourne was ever going to beat my. Uh, us at the club or or Brisbane. Once Brisbane got through, we knew that the Bronx would win that game. And then 07, 08, and I think uh, it just got to a point where we're all young guys and we got a bit of a profile. And at some point, that sort of that bond that we had had was getting a little bit loose here and there, and the pref- professionalism sort of went out the window. And but that's a bond that I think no one could ever take away from us. There are great memories over that probably four, five, six yeah, year period. And uh, we'll be mates for life. And that's what a, that's the connection I have with the club still. I still love it. I don't particularly like where the club has gone over the last probably six or seven years. Um, it's no surprise to me that Lynn stood down from the board today. Yeah. I think uh, it was really hard for, for someone who was coming in as board members to get rid of the residue that was left behind by the previous administration. You know, there definitely needed to be a change at the club. I don't know if Lynn Anderson, you know, John Ballasty, Paul Dunn were the right people to take over. But, you know, I think Ray Dib and, and the, the previous administration need to be held accountable somewhat. I think they gave, without going too deep into it, they gave uh, Des Hasler too much rain. And you've got to think, guys like Des that aren't bulldog people, they come into the to the club and they're, they're, they're coaches that are in the present. They're in the now. They want to win competitions now. They, don't, they forget about the junior league and what developed the club and what made the club great, what foundations the club had before they got there. And uh, essentially that's where the demise of the club sort of started to begin. Junior league went out the window. They started, you know, finishing up last and there wasn't as much development going into the junior league and... Uh, they made two grand finals, you know, and I, and I went back there in 2014 and I've said it before in, in, in the media a few times that I didn't feel like I was going back to a club that I, that I was familiar with. So 
every club has goes through a period where you need to to change what's what's happening at that club. And and I've you know like I've said just before, I, I didn't feel like Des really bought into the bulldog culture, but we throw the word culture around a, a lot, and and I don't know if if it's time for change or a time for a new for new culture at the Bulldogs. You know, we can't keep going back to this is Bulldog culture. This is what the club's about. Things have changed too much. There's too much uh, shit that's gone on over the last few years that Trent Barrett's going to have to come in and just create his own culture for the club. And whether or not us former players will be part of it, um, I'm not sure if if you know we'll get that phone call if we want to be part of it. I think Baz needs to come in and and uh, bring what he needs to do to to bring you know the, a, a powerful club like the the Bulldogs make them more successful again. I think the funny thing is that the Bulldogs were a powerful club. I mean, if you look at them through the 80s, the 90s, even the 2000s with you blokes, success was just expected of them. But mm. I just don't think the Bulldogs, they call them a pen, you call them a powerful club. With all of the infighting and all the shit that's been going on the board, I don't know if they even classify as a powerful club anymore. It's just they seem to be constantly in a reboot. I wouldn't want to be Trent Barrett, to be honest. Yeah, I think um, what Rennie was saying, like when he – what we pretty much miss is the culture that we got bought up. When you say culture, the whole culture is, a, is it's supposed to be a family club. You know, when we were playing, we always had guys like Terry Lamb and all these other great players surrounding us and being in the sheds. And like, we wanted to impress those players and that sort of disappeared. Like, and I was always, I always thought that I, I sort of can't wait to retire. And uh, so I can be one of those old blokes mm. and just hang out with the younger kids and try and teach them some football and this and that. You know, we've got so much knowledge in, in our brains and, and within, as, as, as humans, you know what I mean? We can, we can put so much into that club, but they just don't seem to use us or they don't really care. And I don't, I'm not that sort of bloke that wants a job at the Bulldogs no. or any other club at all. But, um, I just know that for, there's former players and some really good friends of mine that really love the club. They want to be involved in it, and they're just not getting that opportunity. And then you're talking about guys like Andrew Ryan and um, Luke Patton, all these sort of great players that have got so much knowledge in their head. It's just such a shame how you can – it's like we're talking about a club 40 years ago. This is this is yeah. 15 years ago. This is 15 to 10 years ago. This is the, that, that culture of the club. I remember they used to put my mum up in a hotel every single game, look after all my younger brothers and sisters. That's, that's what I'm talking about, a family club. You know, like mum used to catch a train down, you know, like in, in, in my contract – they would have to put up in a hotel like every night because like, and all the younger kids, they were all like, you know, eight, nine and 10, that sort of shit, man. Like that, that meant more than money to me, you know, like, and I got looked after like family there. And then it, I don't know how it just sort of disappears within, you know, a 10 to 15 year period. And that starts at the top. It's got to be starting at the top because I knew the CEOs and the chairmans back then, they were different people. And they used to, they used, that was part of the deal. I, I used to do the deal do that sort of deal with my with my family and that with the chairman with the CEOs with the board so it was it was above like everyone else so i don't think that sort of shit goes on and that sort of stuff that sort of stuff makes you feel special and i don't think they're doing that with any other players and it needs a change and i'm not sure what sort of culture they're going to bring what sort of culture baz is going to bring he just needs to bring his own he needs to bring he his needs own. to understand look it's a great it's a proud club they, we train hard, we play hard, we do everything hard, but it belongs in the top eight and we can't, they can't do anything with, with subpar players. The bullshit that, that uh, Dean Pay's been given the last two years, they're bottom four. 
all the time. You know, let's not let's not try and sugarcoat it. They're not a good team. There's about you try and fit any of those Bulldogs seventeen into the Roosters team, you probably won't put you won't pick anyone. You're not going to pick yeah. anyone, not one. Probably put Luke Luke Thompson, maybe Josh Josh Jackson on the bench. That's about it. You're not going to fit anyone, and that's why I always look at the Premier teams and go, what what sort of players would you put in that in the in the Premier team from a wooden spooners? You know what I mean? In Brisbane, you're talking different things. You've probably got Payne Harsh, you've got Katoni Stags, Pangai Junior, some guys that can start. They just had a really shit year, but the Bulldogs they just they got no cattle, mate. Then they just it's not a culture change. It's just. It's a time thing, you know, like it's just, it just sucks. I'm, I'm not sure how you can fix it. The blueprint of the Bulldog culture was when we started, you'd go into the gym, you'd see the players of the 80s, yeah, late 70s, 80s, 90s, they'd be on the wall. Regardless if you've seen them or not, I'm a South Junior, you bought into the culture. You were just the caretaker of the jersey that you're wearing for the people before you and the people that come after you. So you bought into that. That was the blueprint. Now, after our careers, and like Will said, I don't, I'm not bitter towards the club. Yeah. I would have taken a phone call in a second if they wanted us to come down and, yeah. and try and pass on that culture that we had in the early 2000s to the current players. But they went in a different di- direction. And now Baz needs to bring his own, own culture to the club and he has his completely different ideas. I don't think we need to try and st- go back to that blueprint anymore. I think there's too much water under the bridge and, and the club just needs to move on and go in a different direction. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, the last time they made a grand final was back in 2014, I think, when they got beaten by South. And, and interestingly, um, Isaac Luke was one of the last players that was suspended during a grand final. He missed that grand final at the Curacao play. Mm. Viliami Kikau has been suspended for the preliminary final. Uh, so he, he'll miss out next week when they play whoever they play. There's been some pretty big names in history that have missed either, well, even grand finals. You've got Cameron Smith, you've got Steve Roach in 89, Luke Rickardson, um, little known one is Arthur Beetson. Arthur Beetson missed the grand final back in 69 as well through suspension. And so you've got some of the biggest names in the game that have missed the biggest game of the year based around, and a lot of them are dog shit suspensions over little things too, you know, with carryover points and things like that. What do you boys reckon in terms of, do they need to fix the system and proportion more points to a, you know, to a finals game? So instead of getting 100 points before you're suspended, then all of a sudden you need 200 points in a finals game? Or should they talk about suspensions only being valid for, you know, normal round games? Neither of you, you never got suspended for a final series, did you, Red? No, never for a final series. And I know there is, I mean... It seems to come up every two or three years, and I, I don't look. I'm not fully across the judicial system, but surely we identify. It sucks. Well, surely we identify these issues before the season starts. We can't get to the semi-finals now and say we need to change this. We need to do this. We need to do that. Now, I thought about this before, and I think you need to judge each case on its merits. I don't like the carryover point system. If it's big enough to be suspended, you get suspended. If it's worth 70 points, brush the point system, you get a fine. Each case is judged on its merit. That's how the way I see it. It might be. There's no point in giving carryover points. Don't give carryover points. If it's worth a charge, suspend him for a game or give him a fine. If it's not, doesn't give you 100 points or plus, then it's 
Back to zero, you cop a fine, simple as that. And who's that rule's going to come under? Is, is that something that we have to deal with with the NRL? Or obviously they come under the ju- judicial system, comes under the NRL. So this is something that Volandis and that has to improve. And I think he's a man who likes change and he embraces it. I think maybe next year or something like that, obviously this year is going to be a bit of a, you know, just think on your feet sort of year. Yeah. But like next year you'd hope to God that the RLPA or someone can come to the NRL and just say, look, we need to change the system because it sucks. You know what I mean? It's like, happening, it's, too, it's it happening too often. often. And I want to see Viliami kick our play. Yep. And if I'm a fan, if I'm a Penrith fan, and I know how much energy that kid holds in that team and how much of a, you know, how much of a gun player he is, he can either lose, he can either win you games and be a freak on that left edge, or he can just not lose lose you the game. But if he was on the left edge, and all of a sudden I'm a I'm a defender on attack, I'm like, thank God he's not playing. Well, if you look at Kikau's tackle on the weekend, right? You you look at it purely on its merits. Yeah. Why does the team who which look? It's a penalty. It gets him in a dangerous position. Jared doesn't. You knew he wasn't going to get injured, so you look at it and go, right, it's worth a penalty, maybe a fine. Now his team has to suffer the consequence after winning 15, 16 games in a row of carryover points, now him missing that game. They've done a lot of hard work. Vili Army's done a lot of hard work to get in a position to be playing in a prelim final, and now he's going to miss it. So, I mean, it's if you're a repeat offender... Yeah, then you don't deserve to be there. If you're an actual actual grub, and now you've got our biggest players in the game that have to be cautious in a semi final. Yeah, I don't want to take any of his aggression out of yeah. the game. And I yeah, I just think there should be a fine system, or as you said before, what, there is what a fine idea. system. But just I know that, but it's just judge every tripping and stuff like that. I don't want you know to see carryover points. Judge the carryover it on its merits. Yeah, the carryover points and what they're doing now is just wrong. Like that doesn't deserve to be suspended. For if he puts Jared on for his head, a preliminary. If he put Jared on his head, I'm happy. One hundred. I'm happy I with am it. too, but I mean, there's, yeah, so, yeah. there's been so many things that you just go, "What is, it? you know, Billy Slater? Like he, he got off it like the other year, wasn't it, for a shoulder charge? He got a shot. He got, he got you know, off like it's just like just corner. you know, be consistent. That's all players want, and that's all coaches want, and fans want. Be consistent with your shit, NRL. Like that's what players just lose their shit. So it's like I would look, I would look at that and go, yeah, that's not a suspension. And then, no, like, and exactly. but whatever they grade it on, if it's a grade two, or who fucking grades it? Who says it's a grade two or grade three or grade one? Yeah, I mean, and these just, guys are ex players. These guys use, are ex players, yeah. these wankers. You know what I mean? Like, they should know better. You well, know, they, imagine you. they missed so, the grand final. Well, the grand final has always probably been never played the last one. game of the year, you know? So it's the last game of the year that's done. So basically, you could take a crowbar out on the field, take their best player's head off. And you might get suspended for five weeks in the regular season. You miss the first five weeks. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Now you've got origin for the first time after the season. So what happens here if an origin player um, cops a, a, you know, does something in the grand mm. final, he's going to miss origin. I, I would happily miss an origin game to, to play in a grand final. Yeah. I'd miss ten. Ga- I would bit. miss ten games the next year just to play in a grand final. That's how much this shit means to players. Mm. Like, like, yeah. like average, average Joe who's never played the game wouldn't know it. But I swear to God, you ask Kikau if he, or any of these players get to this if they get in this predicament next uh, in a couple of weeks of the grand final, you're going to get suspended ten weeks next year, or you take uh, the grand final. You're taking ten weeks. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just shit. I mean, they just need to they need to address it. Coaches, players, they need to address it with Volandis and hopefully just come to like some sort of fair fair agreement. That's all we want.
Well, Volandis has shown he's not afraid of change. Yeah. So that's good. All right. Well, let's move into uh, the games from the last weekend. So the four games of the last weekend, um, there were some pretty good games of footy. But interestingly, the sides that came out of the blocks hard tended to get knocked over. I mean, Penrith um, were well behind the Roosters to start with. And then all of a sudden... You know, they, they came and blew the roosters off the park in 20 minutes. Let, let's focus on that game first, actually, because it was probably the pick of the games in terms of quality and in terms of closeness. We both tipped the roosters. Ren, obviously, you would have tipped Penrith because you would have got 100% right. But uh, we... Look, I was surprised by how well the roosters played and then how badly the roosters played all in the space of one game. Roosters don't normally do that. What do you think, Ren? Did you think Penrith were the better side and the Roosters weren't at their best? or the, the the warning signs for me was the kickoff. Flanagan didn't catch it. I knew their confidence mm. was shot after getting beat 6-8 the week before, and then they kick it off and they let the ball bounce. I thought the game was over. I knew the game was over there. They did shoot away to a 10-0 lead, and then my focus went to Penrith. What sort of character are they going to show after a 10-0 point uh, deficit against the Premiers? And then they showed all class. It was all Penrith from there. I'm surprised Roosters got back to 28 points. Yeah. That yeah. was the concerning thing for me. I don't think they were ever in the game. I don't think they were in the game once. Um, the, the, the most positive thing for me out of that game was the character of Penrith. Yeah, same. I never thought I, – I thought 10-0 down, Premiers are coming. You know, they're going to show that championship pedigree. They're going to go along with it. That's what I was thinking. I was like, mm. here we go again. They're just going to shut everyone up. And then I was just like, wow – Penrith, we, we, you, we spoke to Minicello last week. You wanted to take Penrith to that that sort of water, where, yeah, deep water where, you, you to where he's never been. You know, Cleary. Cleary ends up scoring three tries. Three tries. You know, like Cry, Crichton ends up carving out. You know, like it's some, and some of the defensive errors that the Roosters have been making in the last two weeks, I've never seen it like that in the yeah. last couple of years. I, I thought they – I wasn't willing to write the Roosters off and I wanted to see where they were in the first 20 minutes. And then there was some – the moments in the game where they scrambled defence was not there. Mm. It was all Penrith jerseys. Roosters players were nowhere to be seen. Like that, that just that one play, that right? One just play. that one play where Crichton went off an inside ball where usually you would never do that against the Roosters. No he went straight through, had Cleary on the Picked inside. Like that just doesn't happen, there like was, ever. There was a loose ball, I think, in the first half and there was no Rooster players anywhere. Yeah, and there yeah. was, thank God, it was at Liam Martin, the back yeah. row, just fumbled it. You know, there yeah. was still 12 other play Penrith players scream, pouring through the middle, wanting to score the try. I think when they, they gained a bit more confidence is when they started to score a couple of tries and yeah. thought, hang on, that we're a chance, we're a chance, we can come back, we can get Penrith. But I don't think Penrith were ever in doubt. They've got a lot of, they're just so confident at the moment. They don't know how to lose. And, 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 they don't know how to lose. It's a I, habit. Yeah. I mean, I think I uh, the clear is a lot of, a bit of an, uh, an apology because last year when I was analysing games, I I found it very strange that a father coach was was uh, in the same system and still weird. It's still weird, but um, the way he's turned that club around full circle in twelve months is incredible. And and the way Cleary's playing, I've been very critical of his game. I didn't want him in that Origin side last year, but watching him, what he's doing and the tempo he's playing at, and not being a young half that's trying to pull the trigger all the time. He'll hit his back row, hit his back row, hit his back row. Jerome Luai will do all the fancy plays. He'll kick to a corner. He's got really good game management at the moment. And that sh shows the maturity of a young 
good half. Athletically, I don't think he's incredible, but his defense is strong. Defense his is good. kicking game's good, and his game management's strong. That's the sign last of a good, week, mature Willie, half. Willie called him a bulked up Jason Taylor last week, <laughs> and I yeah, that was my reaction too. And do you know what he, he is. what he did on the weekend? He is still, but. You know what? It was all backup play. Like all yeah. of those tries, like, that I he mean, scored, you, was just backing up on the inside. I, I think it I've just it wasn't flash support play. I've yeah. just been blessed with playing with great halves, and they take the line on. You know, like Jason Taylor is, is known not to go near the line. He's so, he was so afraid of it, and he couldn't fucking tackle. Nathan Cleary can just tackle, and but he's still he's still not going to the line that hard. He's giving early ball to his back rolls. He's just playing. He's playing a very all round game. Kicks really good. He doesn't do anything fantastic. He just does good things that a halfback does. I don't see I don't see outrageous shit that he's like going to the line, dummy, all that kind of stuff. I don't see it. But but he does he's still playing good football, but he like knows he's, he's, he knows what sort of strike he's got exactly, outside yeah. him as well. Yeah, I, know I mean that. Yeah. give Crichton I just, I just early ball. Liam Martin yeah. kick out. I think he's a, I think he's a solid I think he's a good player in this era. I reckon that Penrith probably um, they they surprised me because I thought being a young side, that when they came under pressure, that they would start to fold a bit. And they just didn't do it. They just kept coming. They're just young and enthusiastic. I think probably I haven't given them enough credit this year for the bond that the team's got. They just look like they turn up for each other. And that, I mean, you blokes know, 15 years later, you blokes are still best mates. And I know you're still super close with the people that you played in that grand final with. I think that counts. I think the closeness of the side... When it gets down to it, that is one of the most important things of the year. That's what I think Melbourne – that's why I think Melbourne is is going to shock everyone because they're together mm. all the time. And I've seen a couple of little things I think Fox was saying and a couple of other players. I think uh, the big the Hectic Cheese, our little yeah. guy Brandon Smith was like, I've never, I've never hung out with dudes that I – you know, that I normally would. Mm. You know, now we're spending time with guys like probably Shandor Earl and people like that, you know, like you never would hang out with them. Or other, or other players, or even ha- spending time with Cameron Smith, because Cameron Smith would probably go into training, do his job, do his extras, and go home. You yeah. know, probably, you know, get to socialise with him, have coffees, you know, sort of pick at his brain, all that kind of stuff. Or you'd see him is in the office doing video, and you got to, you either have that opportunity, and then you have it after training, and then or you lose it. Now you're, you're 24-7 with these guys. And I just think maybe, and Melbourne of all clubs could really, really take that siege mentality to a next level. Really, really. I, th- I just think it's a diff- it's a different level. I think I'm starting to respect the Penrith forward pack as well. I, 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 yeah, not, not taking any way away from Penrith. Fisher Harris is he's the enforcer. Mm. Tamau's the experienced player. Coruscant has been the difference for that yeah. team. They had no nine yeah. last year, and then you got Liam Martin, who's a powerful back rower. You got Kickow, who's who's a skillful back rower, and then you got that Yo, who's playing in the middle. Taking tough carries, knowing when to pass out the back, knowing when to tip it on, and knowing when to lay a line. They've got a good, it's really, a balance, isn't it? Really it's a good balance, yeah. But it's a balance. I mean, like Tarmel can get a late offload. Kickow is going to hit holes and got a, he's got a really good offload. Liam Martin just works his ass yeah, off yeah. on the right, but people sort of go, "Oh, he's not Kickow." But you leave that little bit of a gap, he'll yeah, go through. Good. Isaiah Yo and um, he'll, he'll be the, really, he'll be the origin lock, I think. Who? That yo? Yeah, no way. He's a chance. Big no. chance. You've heard it here for not, not a chance on the take. You've heard it. Yeah, but you know what? He's definitely in the mix because I think yeah. people like him for a point. I think if there was a kangaroo know, tour, maybe he'd get on it, yeah. but not an origin. I, I think looking at their bench too, Will's always big on benches and the strength of the bench. Moses Leota's been enormous yeah. for them. Um, and Tedavano, he came across the yeah. as he, he does his job. They, they've got a good bench. Yeah, they're, they're strong, mate. Moses Leota is a boulder for origin. 
I swear to God, Freddie is looking at him and just for about probably 20 minutes just to give the middles a rest and he'll go on and go nuts. That's what I heard. For some reason, I'm still not gravitating towards him as much as I should. No, I'm not either. I don't think they'll make the grand final. I just, I can't let Melbourne go away. I can't, the Raiders for some reason and um, I think South might be the dark horse. Well, the Raiders, you would say they burn a South Junior, and that's just the Myrtle and Green coming out of your butt. Yeah. Mate, the Raiders, Willie, they came out on the weekend and they put the Sharks away. There's no question yeah. they put the Sharks away, and they look good doing it too. There's just, we sort of said when Hodgson went that they would potentially struggle, but that young Starling's come through and he's been doing a terrific job for them. He's like a, he's like a, a Ford pack. He's like a poor man's cook, isn't he? I think well, he's he's great, and everyone thought when Hodgson went down that they were gone. But it's given Williams more opportunity at half to control the team. So you've got a dominant hooker, and a that could take Williams's game away from him. Now that Williams had to step up, coming over from Wigan, all of a sudden he's taking control he's of the side, and then, and then there's a, a new balance within the side because you don't have the dominant nine trying to take the ball all the time. So you've got a young kid who's taking his opportunity and again it just changes the whole dynamic and flow of the Raiders attack and the defense it wasn't I'm not saying that he was a huge lot he wasn't a big loss Hodgson but it just seemed to work it it's, does doesn't it just it? other players yeah, get to stand right. up in their position see I think um losing Hodgson we're going because because uh Harvilli was the next option and I'm like he's probably a bench player that comes on at lock mm. and maybe front row and just fills in for a little about 10 minutes and gives Hodgson a rest now this young kid's coming on. He's dynamic. He tackles well in the middle, but I just think even on the weekend, I didn't. Jack Whiten didn't insert himself to the till the second half. Like yeah. he probably had about one or two hit ups. I was like, "Fuck, can you get involved in the game?" And then he just stamps his, you know, just stamps his presence and just like scores two tries, which were pretty freakish. And then he starts getting on top. But he, I think he times himself so well, Jack. You know, he sort of saves himself a little bit and inserts himself at the right time all the time. He gives early ball. He can just work with his back rolls. But I think Joseph, Joseph Tapine, Joey Tapine, yeah. I was playing with him in Newcastle, man. He was outstanding. He was their best forward. Better than Elliot Whitehead, better than John Bateman, Papali, or even Dinama Slew. I think he's outstanding. Like, he scored that real strong yeah. try, and he gave he gave him some hope because Cronulla come out of the blocks pretty hard. Pretty hard. But oh, back to what Rem was saying, George Williams is key. Yeah, George absolutely. Williams and Whiten. And I just think uh, their forward pack is going to be – their forward pack can match anyone's. Like, Papali, I don't think Papali had his best game on the weekend. He come out of the blocks a little bit slow. But he just stay, he stays at that same level the whole game. Like, mm. like mainly for Polynesian boys, they, they sort of die off. But Papa comes out at that level. He stays there till the 80th minute. Yep. He's a fucking machine. Yeah, you got to think they've been up. They've tried to stay up for 45, 46 weeks now. You know, yeah, they made man. the grand final yeah. last year. There is some sort of energy zap that they're going to take, just like the Roosters, even though the Roosters are going for their third one. They're trying to get there for their second one. It takes its toll. I think going into the Cronulla game, there could have been that little lack of confidence going in there. They come back out in the second half, they stamp their authority, they show that they're the superior superior team. They go into the next game full of confidence. I can't see the Roosters beating them. I think the Roosters are running on fumes at the moment. But Jack Whiten especially, he shows how classy he is. Like he'll probably make, he'll probably get picked as a centre. Yeah, you left centre. Yeah. But, you know, even his development as a half. But his he's patience, his patience, patience. But his patience was yeah. what got me. I'm like, he didn't, he didn't do anything 
until the second half. He had one hit up, Brent. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, Jack. Jack I was like, Jack needs to insert himself somewhere. And then he just goes, bang, game over. Yeah. That's tried, what I'm happy he, with. He, he tried something early in the second half where he took a short side and he tried to throw the cutout ball. And that showed me some of his developing skill as a 5'8", probably in the first or second year where he was trying to come up with a big play. Mm. And then all of a sudden, George William takes over. They put kicks in. He takes strong carries. And he just shows that he needed to stay calm, stay relaxed, and show that he's yeah. developed as a 5'8". And he doesn't need to come up with the big plays. Let George Williams do that. You're a ball runner. You're a Laurie Daly. Ball yeah. runner, five, yeah. you know, uh, ball carrying 5'8". Yeah. You don't need to come up with these big, long long balls. And, and that was the first opportunity he got in the second half. He tried to come up with a big, clay, big play. And then he didn't try and make up for it by trying to come up with another big play. He just put the ball under his arm, chased kicks, scored tries and showed. Yeah, he holds it. He holds, he's, the, he's the key. He's the key to that. I think, I think you've said the Roosters are running on fumes at this stage of the year. I tell you who I think has been running on fumes for a long time is that Parramatta side. They've just, they were such a benchmark early on. And Will and I have talked about why we think that is, that Paulo and, and, and uh, Campbell Gillard have been played too many minutes and they've sort of run at a puff towards the back end of the year. But... They were pretty weak against Melbourne again. That Losing Sebo and losing Ferguson, because I don't think he'll play, when they've been a side that leaks so much points on the edges and all of a sudden you've got two blokes that have got to come in and, and do a job, essentially, to those edges have been leaking points nonstop. Melbourne know how to play. They're just going to run those edges the whole time. I, I When they beat them, they beat them by a lot. I mean, the scoreboard's only 12, but Eels never looked in that game. I can't see the Eels getting back over the top of South this week. What do you think went wrong with the Eels this year? Um, Will, I mean, you, you, do you think it's still a forwards? I think so. I think so, because I've, I've been watching every other pack and how they have really evolved instead of this um, very, uh, like, just say that, how it's been so structured in the last 10 to 12 years. You got your back rails here, like your Hoffman and all these sort of guys that would hold the, hold the numbers line. Paramount is still doing that where I see other teams where everybody's playing as a pack. So you got your, you got your Campbell Gillard and then you've got uh, Paula and it just, I think they feel like they're by themselves in that middle and they, 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 they relied so much on their back five. Then they started getting injured, not making not making that many meters because their back rollers hold an edge so much. And I'm not talking for the fucking first coming out of yardage, right until the other end into the red zone. I'm mm. like, you have a look at Melbourne, how many how much ball uh, Kenny Bromwich has been getting, hitting holes. Like doesn't have to get doesn't have to get it too wide off his five eight. He's getting right in the middle. And I just I have a look at um I look at uh. Other teams like the Roosters, Boyd Cordner, and all these sort of—they get in there and help their middles out so much. And even Penrith, their back rolls like Kickout. You get on, you get on Kickout's left side. He's either going to take that open, that open side, or he's going to take the short side. These other back rolls for, for for the power, they just hold that edge, and it's not good. I mean, me being—I played back row and front row. If it goes to a left edge, and just say Ren was on that left edge, and I was getting back, I would want Ren to take that open carry. It's a fucking tough carry. But I'd want my back row to take it. They just sit back. It's in, it's it sucks, and that's why Campbell Gillard and Paulo are just sitting there looking gassed. They look gassed, you know what I mean. So I just I'm not sold on them. They don't play tough football. Their back rowers, and then Nathan Brown's in the middle as well, and he's very pretty. You can you can game plan for him if he's on the right side of the field. He's going to going to go overs and look for a guy hitting outside the four man, and if he's on the left side, he's going to come unders. 
It's very predictable. If you if you game plan for Parramatta, you can nullify their forwards easily. For me, Parra. Sorry, Bruno. Right. Um, for me, Parra. I think. My mic still on. Yeah, I think they might have forgotten what got them to where they were, you know, for in the top four for so long. And Will could probably dissect their game a little bit better than than myself because I don't watch as much footy as him. But they they sort of changed the the way everyone was playing by offloading. They were playing off the back of offload. So Paulo mm. would get an offload. Mitchell Moses would get on the back of that. We're just jumping on, jumping on. And then when things started to get tough and that wasn't working as much. They couldn't score points. They All of a sudden, when they were starting to throw shape, it was all unstructured play that got them on the front foot that led them to scoring points early in the season for the first half of the season. When that went out the window, they started to get falling into structure and you had Mitchell, Mitchell Moses creeping across fields, cramping his outside men. And then they were left wondering where the, where it all went wrong. So then defensively, they don't become as confident as well. It's a shame that they've got to where they are now because I, they were playing a, a brand of footy that I was enjoying yep. watching. Um, flat and fast, straight through the fast, ruck, straight through the yeah. ruck. Like, Mel, like Melbourne adapted to it. The Roosters ad- adapted to it really quick. Para was a, a for, the front runners. And I was like, yep, they're showing, the, they're showing the blueprint of how to win this comp. Mm. At the start, the first like, yeah. what, five or six rounds. Yeah. I'm like, and I've seen, I've seen glimpses of that on the weekend. But I'm like, they showed too many holes against, against Melbourne. Melbourne were making clean line breaks, even though I think it was like four, maybe 14 all at, that, at halftime yeah. or something like that. I'm like, Parra's in big trouble. Ferguson, Sevo out, and they had a lot of injuries. Like, it's the outside backs, which you can't afford in semi-final time because forwards have got to make shift and get out wide. They had that, um, that young kid who's, I mean, young, young in games, but I think he's about 28 years old. Davies, I think. He's, um, he had to go out into the centres. He had to swap... Um, Wanga Blake and, and Jennings around it. Fuck their whole balance up. So. I think the worst thing that happened to the to Para was the rule change. So yeah. it, it's it's too high risk play to offload when if you just get guys running steaming through the middle, there's you you got a high chance of getting a repeat set. Set restart, set restart, set restart. If you're offloading, there's almost no need to offload anymore because there's a big chance you can get a set restart. That's where all the best teams have changed the style of their play. Mm. You're like We're going through the middle. We're going through the middle. We're going through the middle. We're going to make teams uh, defend three, two, three sets in a row. Our halves, their only job is to pull the trigger when there's a, where there's an opportunity out do you wide. Think, do you, I, th- I think Parramatta started off really well and adapted to the rules. And then they just forgot about them. Mm. Do you reckon? I mean, the last six weeks, it looks like they've, they've just regressed so much. Campbell Gillard's metres have come down. Paulo's metres have come down. The offloading's come down. Not everybody's piling into the ruck. It's like, what happened? How yeah, do you go no away from that? B. Yeah, there's no, no plan, plan B, B because everybody starts game planning for Paulo, game planning for Campbell Gillard and Nathan Brown because they know their back row doesn't get involved. Mm. When you've got other, other teams like Felice Cafusi and Kenny Bromwich and all these, Boyd Cordner and Angus Crichton and Isaac Liu and all these sort of guys, they pile through the ruck yeah. and they play like another front rower when they're coming out of yardage. And even when they get into good ball, that's when they might pull out a little bit. But they'll mm. still be hitting holes on the, off, mm. off the four, man. It's just like, I don't know what happens. They just seem to hold. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, man. Like, if I was the front row, I'd be like, fuck's my back row. Mm. I was watching all of the games on the weekend, obviously, and I think my favourite moment, speaking of back rowers hitting holes, was when your man, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, hit a hole, went straight through. You've been saying all year he hasn't made one clean line break. That was it. Straight through. He fell through it. He made it. (laughs) 
Pearcey, it, it, it was a 10 metre gap. All he, and, he, and he went through backwards. <laughs> he went through backwards and got ankle tap. I mean, I've been harsh on him because I know how much he can be a good player. And he's blessed with that back line. He's got Ponga out the back. He's got Pearcey delivering on a platter. You know what I mean? He's just had a disappointing year, that whole left side. But I think Newcastle really got, I don't know, they, they got put in their place. Maybe, that, maybe they shouldn't even have been in the top eight, to be honest, if it was 26 rounds. You know, they, they've been too inconsistent. They got, dishing out, you know what I mean? What they were dishing out, getting beat by the Titans, getting beat by the Cowboys, and just, you know, the, your bottom four, um, you know, they, they just sort of dish, they dish exa- exactly what I thought they would dish mm-hmm. out. You know, they come out, we, we knew we knew they'd come out strong, and then South would reel them back in. Ren, you must be super impressed with the former South for the last four or five weeks. I mean, they have just been the form team of the competition, and, you said before they're the Smokies. Do you honestly think they can go all the way? I do, Bernard. I think they're playing a style of footy that out of the teams left in this competition are probably far more superior in terms of attacking-wise on their edges. Now, for me, I've been watching them fairly closely. Obviously, you know, I'm close to John Sutton. He's running the blue shirt. I want to see what kind of messages he's sending out during the game. So I always <laughs> like to have a laugh. But I love... When we spoke just previously about Parra not having a plan B, South, once they lost Luttrell, had a plan B. And now yeah. you could see the way they're sweeping their ed- edges. Cody Walker's playing out the back. He's coming around like a, a, a Luttrell and being another option outside a back row, behind a back row, um, and almost picking up the slack of where Luttrell would have been that dynamic player sweeping out the back. Now, Corey Allen stepped up. No one gave South a chance with Corey Allen. He's shown what kind of ball skill he has as as a fullback. He might not have the athleticism of a Latrell, but he's got a good ball playing game. They're all they're all once they get into a position where they're going to flow or, or go to an edge, they're just pulling teams apart every week. Campbell Graham scored the, about six tries in the last five games. And I think that's the thing. They, they had the option, obviously, of playing Alex Johnson at fullback. Mm. And I think they pulled the right rein there because Alex Johnson is a terrific finisher, whereas Corey Allen does have the skills of that modern-day fullback where he can hit the line. He's, he, he's a good ball player. He's got all of those skills that probably Alex Johnson doesn't have at fullback. And I think that's probably Wayne Bennett just pulling, you know, a bit of experience into the coaching side of it. Well, that was the things that we didn't see from Corey Allen when he was playing on the wing. I didn't know he could pass like the way he could pass. He pl- he yeah. passes like a half. And to have a good fullback in this competition these days, you need to be able to pass. You need to know when the winger's going to jam in, in on you and you can find your winger. Like the, the, the edges of South are having a field day. The biggest concern for me is their ball control. Um, there's still far too many errors through the middle in certain periods of the game. When they've got their foot on the throat, they'll let a team back in. Um, you know, their, their bench, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I rang up Sutter thinking I was a coach, saying, you can't have those two two young kids coming off the bench at the same Nichols. time. No, Nichols is, mate, Nichols has been outstanding. The two young Cartwright. Islander boys, uh, Matangi and... Hello, Matangi, yeah. And the other one. Um, I just said you can't have two inexperienced props come on while... Knight comes off and Tom Burgess. You need to mix that rotation up. Nichols has been fantastic. That's my only concern is where their fundamentals in the middle. Fundamentals are letting teams get a sniff and come back into a game. And that's what you can't do at this pointy end of the season is you give any of these teams that are in these top six now yeah. an opportunity, they'll take they'll rip your heart out. And even just like little little things like 
play the ball stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah, getting that like Lee, Liam Knight, really Tom Burgess, shit. all these sort of blokes. Like sacrifice that half a second, just get up and play the ball play properly. The ball. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not all about the um, quick play the balls or the lightning play the balls. Unless you've got skillful hands and everything like that, don't do it. Don't rush it. And I think Liam Knight holds a lot of energy in that middle because he's a he's a good player, he's a big body. He's a good kid, and I just think he's either starting or he's coming off the bench, and Tom's coming off the bench to Tola. That middle third is so important because they know they've got a big job. Because I think a lot of a lot of clubs question the middle. I think I think Parramatta well, be going. We, we can go through the middle. We 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 always said that when Sam retired and then George left. You know, you thought yeah. you had this big imposing pack, and you, you was, who was going to stand up and take this opportunity? And it's taken till probably two years or the back end of this season for Nichols or Liam or Tom to realise they can't rely on Sam, they can't rely on George, they can't rely on Sato anymore. This is our opportunity. We are the new breed of South players. We have to be the enforcers. Now, they've just got that one little thing that we've speaking about. Mistakes, man. That one little error in their game that could change this whole this whole run of, of you know, how good they, they're playing at the moment. Cody Walker's on, he's playing at a whole nother level. His game against uh, Roosters the week before yeah, was man. probably the best individual performance I've seen since a Joey or a Thurston 10 that they used to score yeah. in Rugby League week. Um, and not, no, one got a 10. No, one, <laughs> no one expected Cody to back that up again on the weekend. Everyone said it was a one-off. He's been the best. What, do you, what do you reckon, Pigeon Bladder, about the Knights? They're obviously now out of the comp and... They're probably going to have to do a pretty big season review because I've never seen a side win a week, lose a week, win a week. They just yeah. it was so up and down the whole year. Yeah. What do you think they need to do next year to fix that? They need a full preseason with a decent nine. I think Braley will be back. Um, they really need to ask questions around the middle, like with Saifidi and Clemmer, like just some sort of second phase. Or like a pre-line pass, especially with Clemmer. Like Clemmer's obviously he got left out of the Origin side because he doesn't have that. You know, like he, he's not he doesn't have late footwork. He doesn't have a pre-line pass. He's got that he's got that pass when he backs into the line, and it's not a very um, it's not a very productive pass to put it that way. I think he needs a he needs to evolve with the game with these other front rolls with a bit of late footwork, a pre-line pass, or maybe some sort of um, some sort of offload. And so does Saifidi. And then their back rolls. I mean, Frizzell will really improve their um, improve their play and their um, their hole hitting on that right edge. Or do you put him left edge? You know, like I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure who you. I think Mitch Barnett's going to be that um, the working back, the working sort of lock. Is he that ball playing lock? You know what I mean? They need they they don't have a really good balance. I've been saying it all year. It's like they got five front rolls in the team. You know, you don't have a back row who has a pre line pass, who has a pass through the line. Anything like that with Fitzgibbon, all he does is he can hit that hole. If the hole's not five meters, he doesn't he doesn't do anything. And then if you got Guerrero on the other side, who's at the end of his career, he's not gonna he's not gonna hit a hole. He doesn't have a late offload or anything like that. And then you got Barnett, who's just a hard nosed runner. You know, you need to have a balance. You need to have, as we we're talking about Penrith before, you got people that do different roles in the team. You know, Tarmel's that sort of bloke. Fisher Harris adds this. You got Isaiah Yo Kickout. You know, Kickout does a lot of things, man, on that left edge. And then you've got like um, the other guy on the right edge. The other kid, what's his name? Liam. Liam. What's his name? I've no idea. Liam. I don't watch the Knights play. So. Not the Knights. I'm talking oh. about Penrith. The oh. kid. 
Liam, Liam Martin. Ha- Liam uh, Martin, Liam Martin. Yeah. So you got him on that was, right edge, who's saying, who yeah. uh, who adds a different dimension. Like it's like the Knights are all pretty much similar players. Do you think it's something deeper at the Knights? I find it's not so much. There, I find it something deep. Something deeper is going on at the club, and it reminds me of something like the, someone like the West Tigers, who they'll either beat a top line side 48-44 mm. or get beat by fifty. You know what I mean? There's some sort of culture that's embedded in that club that's been around since 05 winning the, the premiership that they just can't get rid of. No matter what yeah. coach comes in or how hard a preseason they have, there's something underlying within that. I won't say the culture. Yeah. There's something underlying within that jersey that they can't identify and they can't shake. That's for me. They've got the team. Yeah, they have. They don't. You don't turn up one week and then just not turn up the next. They just don't have the balance. It's I just an don't, attitude. I don't think they have the balance, Ren, to be honest. And I just like you have a look at their team. We look at Pierce. We look at Ponga and all these other other players. But who else are superstars in that team, man? Like, do you, is that all you need, Pierce and Ponga? Well, you've got Sofie. Well, you've got Origin. You've got Origin guys in the middle. They're basic players, man. Like, they're, they're basic, basic. But they're still, they're still players that play in an Origin jersey that other players around them look at when they're lining up in defence. What about go. their back row? Like Fitzgibbon, Guerrero, Yeah, they probably they could de- definitely do with a strike back row. Yeah. And I think... They've Clive, got Frizzell for next year. Look, so I, th- I think Frizz you know, is, 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 he's coming into the back end of his career. I wouldn't be expecting him to be the origin player or Australian back row that he was. He'll give you some outstanding moments, but he's one bloke that's just played a lot of footy way out. too t- hard for his body. Yeah. And I, that that's the concern. Yes, he's going to be great for the club. He'll attract other players to go to that club. He'll be a good leader for that club, but he's not going to be the answer for that club. Yeah, right. So I think what we did last week as well, Rem, was we just went through the sides that got knocked out, and that's essentially what we've just done with the Knights. The other side that lost this week is the Sharks. The Sharks have had a very up and down year as well. There's been some good performances through this year. I think Sean Johnson, you know, in patches was very good. What do the Sharks need to do next year to make sure that they get better from what they are now? I think there's just too many big name players in one club. And when you've got so much big personality and we've kept saying it on and on during this show, you need balance within this team. You need balance within within any team. You need you need those big egos. You need those hard workers. You need those young kids. There's too much ego. And I know I speak people, and it's not disrespectful. Everyone's a great player within their own right. The connection and within the side doesn't match. It doesn't fit. You've got Sean Johnson who was the marquee player. You got Dugan who was a marquee player. You got Fafita who's a marquee player. Moylan. Moylan who was a marquee player. You've got too many yeah. big name players within one squad. I just don't think mm. the balance was going to work. Especially no disrespect to John Morris. Especially especially to a coach who they played alongside of. If you yeah, had a Wayne works. Bennett come into that club and be a mentor and be a leader for that club, maybe things would turn around. But I think they're at a point in their they're at, they're at it. They haven't got the gallon anymore that brings anyone back, everyone back into check. You know, no one was going to cross the line with Gal. Now that there's no Gal, who's your leader? Do you follow Fafita? Do you follow Dugan? Do you follow Johnson? It's too much confusion. Confusion. The best player this year, I think, was Toby Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, the kid that's in his first year of first grade. He just went fucking. And that uh, Hame uh, Ueli. 
and Ueli. You know, two guys, the most inexperienced guys in that whole squad were their two best players outside of Johnson having a fairly good year. Johnson had a comeback year. That's a comeback I year. I think, I think when you've exposed yourself like with Johnson, that's why some of the great players like Joey and Thurston, they're so not harsh on him, but they expect big things because Johnson is a freakish player. Mm. He's a generational type player. And I just think he's had a, he's had a standard year for him, I reckon, and his, um, and his standards that he's got for himself. But uh, you're right about, you're right about Moylan and Dugan and, and Fafita. Fafita's, I mean, Fafita just needs to get fit. His knees look fucked. And, um, you know, Wade Graham's been in and out of the team. They just they need to find a good balance. Nikora, Nikora's got a great relationship with Johnson. Once he went out, that was it was game over for that right edge. But um, some good wingers, you know, like they've got some really good talent coming through that. Mutilano, Ronaldo, Katoa. Katoa's a good player. Great kid. You know, I'm not sure who you put at fullback next year. Do you put Dugan at fullback? Do you put Moylan at fullback? These kids are on like eight, nine hundred thousand. Moylan so and Dugan are off contract, or they're letting. Well, they were trying to get. Du- they were trying to get rid of Dugan and Moylan this year. But I love g- them at the Dogs. One of them. Both of them. Reckon? Moylan's played eight games in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, yeah, look, there's no it. reason why he can't turn things around like Tedesco did after yeah. the Tigers. You I know, think, like, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a good, skillful player. So unlucky with injuries, both those guys. Because Dugan, for about two or three years, is one of the best centers. Like, Dugan, that, they're all great know, players. Yeah, they just need they're to get just, fit. They're all their own leaders within their own right. And I don't think they're leaders that can bring people up around them. They're just no. great yeah. individual you look, no, you look at their talent. You look, you look at what they've achieved and you you automatically go, you're a leader. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily go with yeah. what games you've played. You might play 200 games, 10 origin, 10 tests. doesn't mean you're a leader of the club. They These probably kids, don't want to be leaders. No, either. exactly. That's what I'm saying. I just don't think they have the right leadership in the right in the right places. And they've bought these kids on their merit and on their reputation and they haven't delivered. Mm. And it I'll sucks. Tell you, I'll tell you what the Sharks did and what the Sharks did last week was made me absolutely sick because they scored that intercept try and it ruined every multi because Canberra was 13 plus and they mm. came back and it was <laughs> one. Mini, Mini so wanted was, that as well. Mini wanted that. Sione, wasn't it? Yeah, Katoa. Otherwise, well, we would have won. Uh, well, we were going to win. We're we. going, what we do, Red, is we've got uh, Jared standing by. Jared is our, he's the profit prophet, they call him. And this week he actually has been the profit profit because he's provided us with a win when the rest of us did not win. So we're going to bring him onto screen now. Jared. Hello, guys. How are you? Jared, how are you, mate? I'm well, guys. What's going on? Can you hear me this week? Mate, what about your shirt? I just noticed that. Ned's shirt. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Ned's branded tee, this one. Very lucky to... No, no it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than yours, Berner. In, <laughs> in quarantine. Yeah, quarantine. Yeah. Is that your standard quarantine shirt? <laughs> it's, yeah, that's the ISO shirt. Yeah. You look yeah. like a man on holiday, Ed. Mate, it's the moustache. Do you like it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. No, you don't. But you've got a wonderful <laughs> beard, so I'm going to let you have a pass. So, as I mentioned, you did win. I don't remember what you won, but you won $370 for the kitty. We Thanks, did. Jared. Got a couple up last week. It was that Jack Whiten anytime try scorer. Absolutely scores for fun, that bloke. Uh, and the other one was the South's line into Cody Walker anytime try scorer, another bloke that just scores for fun. I think that was about $5, that bet. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah nice. Thank you very much, Jared, because we all got nothing. <laughs> so, which is standard for William, who still sits at none from 30, which is an <laughs> outstanding result. What is it, none from what? None from 21? Zero. Oh, mate, it's more than that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's right. it, must be, 
there must be none from 29 at this all point. All right, all right. <laughs> He's out. Yeah. Mini loss as well Good last week. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good the team, team is going well. Let's start with William. And can I just point out that um, ever since the low point of the 13 league multi, um, which got knocked over on the Wednesday night before the show had even finished when... Yeah, because Horn lost. I backed Horn in a split William decision. <laughs> he's, brought, he's brought himself right back into what I think is... is it's winning territory, Jared. Yeah, so is. let's hear what William's going to come through with this week. So this is how much research I've been putting into it, Jared. I'm taking tips off people that have been sliding into my DMs saying how hopeless I am. Um, so this is, the, I'll read this, this I pasted, uh, copied and pasted, it goes, if you want a decent horse, it's a decent chance this weekend for your Neds tip, try Caulfield, race eight, number three, Ole Kirk. Short price, about 320, but in great form, should win. Fingers crossed. That's the Neds Caulfield Guinness, so they'll like that. Is that right? Uh, yeah, no, that is true. This bloke's an absolute genius because that is the $3.20 favourite in that race. I know, I could have, I could have backed that, you know I don't back favourites. <laughs> It is the first time that an absolute genius has ever stood in a wheels day. Anyway, this is, this is it doesn't stop now. So I'm going to multi, I don't care if that wins. I'm going to multi that into South 13 plus with Cook anytime try scorer. And then the Roosters 1 to 12 with Keary anytime try scorer and Angus Crichton. What? And Angus Crichton. What, yep. anytime try scorer? Yeah. Did you just shove that last one? Uh, yep. last one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you just threw I was told time. earlier this was going to be five legs. That's a typical Will last yeah. to crack that one. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, look, uh, I absolutely love your style looking at this race, of course, Will. You are right. It's the Neds Caulfield Guineas. Uh, like we said, I like Kirk's the $3.20 favourite there. Moving on to the footy now. These are uh, definitely the sorts of anytime try score bets that I absolutely love. Blokes that get their hands on their on the ball an awful lot. Always sniffing around the mark. Now, Cook anytime is $4. Kiri anytime is $3.75. Wow. And Crichton is $3.50 anytime as well. Now, <laughs> best time of the week, always <laughs> this. Um, before you added that last one in, it was $244.20. <laughs> We're looking at a little over $400. Yeah. Now. There we go, Kitty. There we go. There we go. go. You'll be able to you'll be able to buy this grassroots club. Yeah. <laughs> Call well, the Willie Jared, Mason Cup. <laughs> what, what I'm taking from that, you like blokes to get their hands on the balls, and I tell you, a bloke who loves getting his hands on balls is Renny Matua. So let's step in with him. He, Jared, I feel like Renny being a very special man. He deserves $100. Can we give him $100? We can give Rennie $100. What have you got for us, mate? What did I go? I went south to win with Campbell Graham, anytime try scorer. And I went Raiders to win with Big Papa, anytime try scorer. Big Papa, anytime try scorer. All right, well, let's have a look at... uh... The second game first year, Souths often win when Campbell Graham gets on the board. I think that's a very, very tidy combination. Now, the first game, I mean, we're getting $2.80 just for the Raiders to win alone. $6.50 for Big Puppet across the white line at any point. All four of these legs together. $39.31. Thank you very much. I think if this gets up, whichever lucky club gets the quote at the end of the season should be naming a stand after you something or something here, really. <laughs> As long as I like, do, I get Renny Matua Cup. Was oh, this giving it away? I thought this goes to me. 
Can we yeah. give him a G-Cross for yeah, his footy? the kids, mate. All right? Mate, the kids get enough. Free <laughs> one was shot. Fuck the kids. Just try to win one first, Trent. It's yeah. not as easy as I'm pretty confident. Basketball. I've had big Papa before in my anytime try score, and he, he ran 40 metres. I'm full of beans here. I'm confident. He'll be all right. What about yeah, yours, I mean, Ian? Well, let's go to the producer first, because I've had 10 beers and forgotten what I've bet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's go to the producer. All right. The producer, for those who don't know, I cannot pop the producer. He is one of the biggest germs that has ever lived. He's done nothing tonight that has proved me wrong. We've spent an hour trying to set up this Zoom thing and it's done my head in. The bloke honestly doesn't know what he's talking about. Let's hope he knows a little bit more about what he's about to bet on. Jared, what's he going to bet on? All right, well, like we touched on in Will's multi just then, absolutely enormous day of racing at Caulfield on Saturday. It's Ned's Caulfield Guineas Day, the first time that we are the naming sponsor of the $2 million feature race, so it's a particularly big one for us. The, uh, the race that the producer is pushing us into here is the Group 1 Turak Handicap. The horse is number four, I Am Superman. Now, he's two wins from as many starts this preparation so far. He's uh, Look, he's, he's a very impressive winner of the Group 2 Shannon Stakes in Sydney last time out. I think that fitter third up from a central draw in what is a pretty open race, could be the most open race of the day at Caulfield on Saturday. The $8 that we are getting here could well and truly prove to be over the odds. Well, I've never heard a horse with a worse name for a bloke who's better than I am Superman because it should be called <laughs> I am fuckwit. So my bet, I'm going to take the Roosters to cover the line, South to cover the line, oh, and I'm covers also lines. going... <laughs> I'm going to cover the lines, Will. And then, and then I'm also going to take the Wallabies. I'm going to go straight into the rugby union. What are they playing? Have got about, they play the blood, first blood as well on Sunday. They've got a start of about 600 because no one gives them a chance. But I'm being patriotic, Jared. And okay. I think that whatever the line is, the Wallabies will cover it. Whatever the line is. All right. Well, uh, let, let's take this out a leg at a time as we usually do, Ian. Uh, look. The Roosters may be stiff not to just sneak past the Panthers last week. The Raiders could well and truly have played their final by this point. Who knows? The line is only six points. Uh, look, likewise, the Eels. Mm. I'm personally just excited that uh, my early pre- uh, season prediction, I beg your pardon, of them just being knocked out of the finals in straight sets is only 80 minutes away from it's the coming true. Yeah, look, six points is the line in this one as well. What could we possibly expect from the Wallabies on Saturday night? Not an awful lot whenever they play the All Blacks, usually. Uh, we haven't won a series against the All Blacks, of course, since 2002. To put that into perspective, Matt Rogers was probably playing his best footy for the Wallabies at that point. Wendell Saylor had only just pulled on a Wallabies jersey for the first time at that point as well. Uh, we're obviously r- roughies just to win the game. The line is a whopping 16 and a half points, though, so maybe a little bit of hope of sneaking into that margin. We're getting $7.64 for those three legs, Ian. That sounds like a wonderful bet. Is, is, did you say 60 and a half, Jared? <laughs> 16 and a half. Okay, so, yeah. right. Just maybe checking. a little bit of a danger leg. <laughs> Mate, thank you once again. We're up to about uh, five and a half grand now, I think, in the kitty. Um, we've had some five, nine. 645, yeah. We've had some wonderful entries uh, for the uh, for the competition and there's been some people putting in some huge efforts and we really do appreciate that. And we will be announcing the winner whenever the producer tells us we're announcing it, but we haven't talked about it, so I don't know. But anyway, that's good. And Jared, thank you once again for all of your support. We really appreciate it, mate, and we'll speak to you next week.
As always, thrilled to be involved, guys. Enjoy the semifinals this week and uh, good luck, punters. I'll speak to you next week. Cheers, Jared. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, guys. And um, obviously, yeah, I'll say it. Obviously, remember to gamble responsibly. Oh, there you go. Which I don't. I know. Neither do I. No one listens. I don't listen. I don't listen to my own advice. It's ridiculous. I've been betting on the French Open. Horses in bloody Dubai. How's your multis been going anyway? Twenty league multis and at least fourteen of them getting up, but still no, no money. Normally, I'd go out to the outro music here, but I can't hear it. No, no, no. It's going to go plowing away. We're going to we're going to preview we're going to preview the Roosters and Raiders. That sounds like a wonderful idea, Will. Would you like to start? Um. I would actually. I think um, I'm going to back. I'm going to back the Roosters. Cause I just think they just have that championship pedigree. I just, I just don't see them getting beat. I think they got the wood over over the Raiders. Um, I still think that Hodgson is is still the key, and I just think Friend coming back, Sonny Bill coming back. They're just going to add that X factor. Um, I think they were just a little bit down on the weekend. They started off really good, but as as we were talking about before, Penrith always looked like they had their measure. Everything that everything they threw at him, Penrith would answer, and uh, they just left they left holes in their defence, which I think they can fix up because I know um, Robbo is such a great coach, and he's going to fix all those problems. And you can fix them in a week; they're just defensive errors. So, I think the Raiders are going to be relying on Papali, obviously um, to Pine. I think it'll be game planned for to Pine because how strong he is near the line, and George Williams. I just think they're outside, and obviously Jack White. But I don't think the centres and the outside backs are really going to worry the Roosters that much. And, yeah, I'm going to back the Roosters. Ren, you're obviously still really good mate with Sonny Bill. He's been a huge addition for the Roosters in the last few weeks. There's, I don't know, I think it's tall poppy syndrome, but there's a lot of talk about how he wasn't injured last week, how the Roosters have dropped him. I can't understand why people, he's been good since he came back. He's really starting to learn how the Roosters play. He's getting some offloads away. He's strong in the middle. I why do you think people are having a crack at Sonny Bill for no reason? It's what we do as Aussies. We we shoot people down when they're they're at the top. I mean, because yeah. he's not making line breaks and offloading like he did in 04 doesn't mean he's not playing well. You know, I've been watching his game fairly closely and, and I've spoken to him every week. He was injured last week. He had, did have it and his knee is quite swollen and I know that week off would have done it a world of good going into this game. And, and you know what? You can't write champions off and everything he's done in the game. You don't need the 2004 to 10, 15 Sonny Bill. You just need Sonny Bill on the field. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that every time he's come on the field off the bench, all he's done is defend oh, because man. they're giving away... Especially, especially the South one, wasn't it? Restart, 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 restart. You know, there was a few scraps on the, he didn't dive on that one ball and then he, I think Cody might have got around him, but he was still trying to cover in defence and he's learning a, a new position. I still believe Roosters are just running on fumes and they can't wait for this season to be done. I think they're done with it. There was too many holes in their game that there wasn't enough... Um, what, do you, what do you say? Like There wasn't enough want... Want yeah. in in their defence, you know that that time, like we mentioned before, there wasn't enough rooster players in the in the picture. Flanagan not catching that ball off the kickoff, then Tedesco even let one bounce. Do you think that's something they can fix, but Ren? I just don't. I just think they're done. I just think they've just had enough in the back of their head. There's a little voice telling them 
This is too we've hard. Won two. We've, we've won, won two. two. We've won two. I've had enough. They might be there for sixty minutes, but yeah. I just think somewhere. I think maybe so, I, I on I, I see your point, and I'm like, yeah, I, I could see that happening. You know, yeah. if you're Tedesco, you pretty much everybody in that team has won a premiership, apart from I think Josh Morris. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so Jay Moz and Sonny Bill want to become back. And I just think it's up to it's going to be up to Sonny Bill. It's going to be up to the players that haven't won a premiership to drive these guys to that next level. To go, mm. fuck, I haven't won one, guys. Just oh, hey, you guys won two. Let's you know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be up to guys like the, the Lindsay Collins and all these guys coming off the bench going, hey, let's get it's now it's time for me to come off the bench or start the game and get you blokes just just that little bit just to, just to get you to that little bit extra. And I know, I know I'm re- I know I'm reaching oh, a little cool. bit, yeah. but you know that sort of thing. Like as you go back to 2004, you never fucking played a game. Next minute, I'd play, that's my fifth year in the game, and I'm looking at all you guys. I'm like, I'm energized off you guys mm. because you guys don't know anything else but win. Okay. So this is why where these guys and and it will we were successful before that, but we haven't got over the line. Yeah. And I just think maybe there was, maybe yeah. you got about four or five players that haven't been in that grand final um, yet and haven't won. Maybe maybe it's up to those guys instead of all blaming Cleary and maybe maybe it's on Flanagan. Maybe Flanagan should come up and, and come up with the goods. Sonny Bill might, even though he's won a premiership for him, you know, like your Lindsay Collins and all, all your other guys. I think I, maybe lift some of the weight. I think I just saw too many holes. Uh, and then and and they better think it's sorry, Bert. Sorry, girl. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'd be looking at going. <laughs> yeah. This, this is what's wrong with Zoom, the delay. I'd be looking at Canberra and then going, fuck, we've got Melbourne the week after before we're in a grand final. I've had enough. But you're not you're not you are not saying it out loud. There's a little voice in the back of your head going, This is too fucking hard. Had anyone in that 04 side won a grand final before? Uh, no. 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 So Maybe. it doesn't re- like people talk about grand final experience and all that. You got to lose one to win one. Yeah, that's bullshit. At the end of the day, if you just go into a grand final with the right attitude, then it doesn't matter whether you've won it or lost it. Surely. And so I think the Roosters people are talking about the experience they've got in big games. When you're busted, you're busted. Experience it's isn't going to people that say you got to lose one to win one are people that have lost one and then they won one. I didn't fucking. I didn't lose one. I just won one. Let's lose That's this it. one so we can win oh, yeah, the next oh, one. Oh, hey, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to game plan for this. This is like, uh, uh, hey, I reckon we should lose this one so we know how fucking awful we feel. And then next week, <laughs> next, next year, we'll wait another, wait another 12 months and then we'll win and it'll be so much more satisfying. <laughs> that is bullshit. Anyone who says that, shut the fuck up. Honestly, it's like get out there. You get first one fucking crack at it. Get out there and get yeah. it done. I think this game really... Um, the Roosters are a dollar forty. I can't see how the Roosters are that short in a game. Jeez, are they? The Raiders, I are, know. the Raiders are genuinely coming off probably you know a, a good win, and they've had a couple of good wins coming up. And the Roosters have been flat. I, I think realistically, this game is probably one in the middle. You know, because I think if if sides can roll through the centre a bit and let their backs have some space, then they'll probably win the game. The Raiders are two eighty on both sides. Mm. Yeah, Jeez. huge odds. So you've got Kiri that's you know that's playing really well and and can damage when he's got front football and you've got White who's shown that he's so damaging with front football as well. So I think I think it's one at the front. I think I mean I think the most forward packs can handle each other. You know Hargraves, Papali, uh, Takayaho, Dinamis Lu, Bateman, Boyd Cordner, Elliot Whitehead, Angus Crichton, Tapine, Liu. 
You know, you've got these sort of players that can match up on each other. It's going to be up to the bench and it's going to be up to the halves. And I think last week the Roosters really missed Jake Friend, even though uh, the young young Freddie little Lussie. Uh, Freddie Lussie tried his little ass off. But it's just like Friend has that champion. Yeah. Friendy has that championship caliber, man. Yeah. He knows the speed of the game. He knows when to give it to the big boys. Mm. He knows he knows the tempo of the game, when to kick. He's played over 280 first grade games. He's played, you know, like he's he's got so much experience and. Um, I think that'll get him over the top. With Sonny Bill coming off the bench, playing about 40 to 50 minutes, you know, executing his ball playing with Tupanua and getting to the speed of the game, as Rennie said before, he come on against South when South was so on fucking top. They were absolutely ridiculous. So I think it's going to be different. It's going to be a different tempo of the game, and I think the Roosters will get over the top of them because the Roosters have a great bench, and so do so does Canberra, but I think the Roosters will get over the top. Interestingly, South's aren't as heavy favourites to beat the Eels as what the Roosters are to beat the Raiders. And I think we've talked about it already tonight. The Eels, they're busted. They're, I just cannot see the Eels getting on top of South in this game. Across any facet of the, of the entire game, you come up player against player, you come against form coming into the game. Souths are definitely heavy favourites in my eyes. They're the form team of, of the top six at the moment, I, I in my opinion. I, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from a from an off, offensive point of view. I think their attack is is a hell of a lot different to every other side. I, I can't go past the way uh, Cody's playing at the moment. And Campbell Graham, he's fucking 20 yeah. years old. He's is a he big 20? Boy. He's 20. He's just, he did his HSC two years ago. He debuted when he was he three years ago. I think you got a hundred is. I think you know the the big thing, and a big part of the reason why I think Souths are doing well is Adam Reynolds is is stepped up again. I think he 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 tends to come in and out of games a little bit, and he's the key to the a great kicking game. And and when he gets his body in front, you can see if he gets a, a little bit of traffic his way, and he and he has to do a little a couple of repeat efforts. To, Things aren't going his way. He might, you know, can slip in and out of a game. But the way Souths are at the moment and sort of the buzz around Redfern and, and how confident all these players are, I can't see Parramatta beating them. I think they've got the the potency and attack to just pull any team apart on edges. Yeah. No one's had an answer for the way they're, they're, they're attacking at the moment. Again, like we said earlier in the show, it's those fundamental errors that are, that are keeping teams within... Within Strong reach, and, and there's only t- needs to be a small turning point in a game where a team can come back and, and just rip your heart out. Um, but the Eels have sort of limped in like like the Roosters into these semifinals. They can't find any form. If this game gets hard for them, they'll go away and South will put another scoreline on them. Even though they did play some impressive football, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, they're you know they're putting some points on Melbourne." Like Melbourne was defensively shit, and they made nine errors in the first half. Mm. They never made more than five. It's ridiculous. Belly would have given the biggest fucking spray they've ever copped all year because they played that bad, regardless of all the line breaks they made. So you take – and how many line breaks did they make on the edge? A shitload. That's when Sevo and Ferguson were there. So, But they, I know they had to swap Jen, uh, Jennings around and, um, and Wunga Blake, but – you take Ferguson and Sevo out of this game, and even if you put Ferguson into the game, he's going to be injured. They're going to be attacking him so good, and they've been pulling apart, pulling apart the best defensive teams to shreds. Mm. You know what I mean? What they did to the Roosters was I've never I've never seen anything like it. And Roosters are a top three defensive team in the, of a whole year. 
And um, Cody Walker, what he's doing out the back of car with Allen and Campbell Graham, Gagai, that combination, Johnston, I don't think anybody's going to stop it until there's a preliminary or a grand final. This run's going to this run can go all the way, and Cody Walker can take them all the way to the grand final. I think with that energy, and with the four pack doing their job to toll the play like a boss, Thomas Burgess, Liam Knight, but it's just little shitty, shitty little things, shitty little offloads, and like. You know, pushing that pass when they, when they shouldn't. Just know your role, stick to it for the 80 minutes and let the superstars take over. And I think that's – and it's the Rabbitohs do that because a lot of the Rabbitohs are just, you know, like you just – your players, they're just role players. Mm. You know what I mean? Most of that full pack are role players. So you just got to let that – got to get into a good position where South's back line can actually strike. Let, it, let them do Let the it happen. Just, just don't try and overplay your hand. And Wayne will have that drilled into them. You know, they haven't got your, your forwards like your Sonny Bills and all those sort of strike forwards. they just got guys that work their asses off and do hit really good holes and they set set sort of plan. They set they set it up. Mm. That's about it. So One get- thing that probably won't surprise you, Ren, is that we've been in a tipping competition all year and I'm hammering you. I mean, genuinely. <laughs> Absolutely it's, no it's surprise whatsoever. Just, oh, no surprise at all. So what we're going to do is we're going to do our tips for this week. There's two games. And we're probably all going to do the same thing. But, uh, Ren, let's get your tips. Actually, you're not. You're going Canberra. Yeah, I'm going Raiders South, mate. I think Raiders South? Yep. Will? Uh, Roosters and South. Yeah, and I'm going Roosters South as well. Oh, but, something uh, different. I don't need to go different. I've already, I'm in front of I've won. <laughs> I've won. Wait till we get to the results at the end of the year. <laughs> we'll see who wins. Investigation. There will be an investigation. Jeff Tuvey is going to run an investigation. All right. Well, that concludes the preview of the uh, games this weekend. What we have been doing, Rennie, is... Did you steal my award? I'm just looking at the spreadsheet here. I don't want to cut you off there, Bernard. Go on. Mate, I actually don't have the spreadsheet because I can't print it out because I'm in the middle of nowhere. So, But what I do we're doing next, (laughs) in ISO... You shouldn't lick the floor at the Eastern Suburbs Legion Club. That's what I found out the hard way. So essentially, William has a rich vein of stories, as you would be aware. Uh, This year, what we've been doing is every week, Willie mines that well of stories and comes out with a good one. Uh, I would imagine he's prepared a good story that involves his best friend, Rennie Matura. I can't be sure. No, no, all right, all right. I'll, I'll Where take are we it going on with the story. Well, um, this is probably my hardest job of the week is keep keep, keep coming up with stories, but I've got a good yeah, one. I think it's some clean ones. Okay, uh, I'll go back to 2002 where Rennie <laughs> wasn't even a first grade player yet, <laughs> and obviously we're going to dumb this story down and you know sanitize it down. Um, 2002, we get kicked out of the comp, so obviously after round 26 or round 24, whatever it was back then, um, we get. We're done. So we have a massive party back at the leagues club. We do everything like that. And Rennie was just a young kid. He hasn't really played much first grade. He hasn't played first grade any. at all. No. I think he's, I was 21, 22. He would have been 19, 20. So I've grabbed him and said, off we go, Ren. We're going to fucking first grade Mad Monday. He had to play the next week. <laughs> and I said, well, too bad. Let's go. So we, um, so this is, this is the incident when I did jump the cab, when everyone was like, oh my God, jump the cab. It's the worst thing in the fucking world. Um, so we're sitting there at Braith and Astor's house and we're watching all the, you know, Ren and I are just sitting there listening to the Doggy Style 94 um, album. If anyone knows their music, 
It's a fucking cool album. So we're sitting there just rapping that whole thing. And this young kid's, I've never, I've only probably met him like two or three times. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. And then we're sitting there just like rapping this whole this whole album. rap album whole out album. from one to like 16, I think. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many f- songs it was on. I was like, fuck, I love this little kid, man. I'm taking him under my wing. Anyway, so we're watching all these first graders out the back of Brace's house running into each other like fucking silverbacks, you know what I mean? You know, they're sitting there smashing, <laughs> colliding into each other, r- driving each other into the fence with their shirts off. Blokes are coming off with fucking... you got Marco Mealy running blokes through the fucking wall and through the fence into the next door's fence and all that kind of stuff. I'm like... Trainers on the golf trainers, course, nude. Tra- trainers on the golf course, nude. You got everybody because Braith, Braith used to live. Braith lived on the golf course, on the golf yeah. course at Malabar. So blokes are running across the running across the um, whatever the fucking green nude while people are playing on a Monday, all this kind of stuff. It was just like, and this guy's opened his eye. He goes, "What the fuck is happening?" I was like, "This is only my third year in first grade." And I said, "Man, I'm not into this weird shit." But just sit here, and we'll just we'll just we, we'll just chill out and just rap and shit like that, and we'll just we'll just have the best fucking vibe all the time. Anyway. So that was Ren's sort of like introduction to Mad, first, Mondays, Ma- Mad yeah. Monday first grade. So two years later, he debuts. Anyway, so we go outside um, and I was with all my mates from Toronto West. If you know where Toronto West is, you know it's fucked up. And um, we're from commission houses and shit like that. So we go outside, ring a cab, go on to Nigel Vungan's house. Go to Nigel Vungan's house, go in the cab. All the boys are pretty much running the mark. I get in the cab and then... I was like, take us to Brighton or wherever it was. And I knew it was about probably like a $20 to $30, $30 cab. I mean, um, we get out, he goes, oh, that's $80. I was like, fuck off, no way. It, was, it wasn't $80. I was like, I, I, I threw him like 30 bucks. I said, it's fucking 30 bucks, mate, that's it. No, you'll pay me my money. No, and I said, no, it's 30 bucks. I didn't even know there was a uh, camera crew following me and people for taking photos and all that sort of shit. So I, I threw him 30 bucks, got out of the cab, bought $300 worth of piss, and then we all had it on our shoulders, walking walk to Nigel's house, and I didn't even know there was uh, photographers there. They were taking, they had all the photos the next day, like Willie jumps a cab and doesn't pay $30 or $80, but buys $300 worth of piss. Anyway, that's what happens when you hang out your mates with Toronto West. But it was his Good fault. Times. It was $30, mate. It was a great time. Good time. One of the best Mad Mondays. Obviously, we left a lot out. <laughs> How much does Mad Mondays suck now? Fuck. That's the only reason I played. The Bulldogs were, they were doing, they were working in a soup kitchen on Mad Monday. So it certainly is very, very <laughs> different from when you blokes were involved. Yeah. Exactly. Mate, Ren, thank you so much for being on the show this week. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It was lovely to hear you talking with rugby league knowledge like you've got. It's been fantastic. It's given us a great thrill to have you on board. And, mate, thanks once again. Thanks, thanks Ren. Lads. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, mate. Good luck in ISO, Banner. Yeah, it's good. I'll yeah. keep going with this mistake. Get rid of that so, thing off your lip. No, it's good. I like it. Mm. Can't even see uh, it. So for all of you who are listening, thank you once again. We've been rating really, really well in the last little while. We really appreciate all your support. One bloke did say that he doesn't want to listen to us anymore because we're too lefty. Um, because <laughs> we talked about Black Lives Matter and taking the knee. Apparently, he's never going oh, to listen to us well, again. Well, you can fuck so, off. <laughs> uh, what we don't I'm need your saying, fucking ears. No, we would like to thank everyone who uh, has put a rating and a review on the podcast channels. It really does help us to do what we're doing. We will be back next week for another edition. And thanks all for tuning in. We will see you soon. Thank you, guys. I'll be following Willie Moore and Moore.
forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Wow. Oh, you got skills, son! Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for you! You've been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co-host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network.